2: This is Dan from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. I mean, uh, I subscribe and everything, but that's just so I get the notifications so I can uh, extra not listen. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 686 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined today by the lovely, talented, scholarly co-host, Brittany Page.
3: Doesn't it feel good to be back?
2: <laughs> it really, really does. Does it? It for sure does. I mean, the two episodes that we did while I was 1,200 miles separated from you
4: mm-hmm.
2: were fucking Awkward and goofy. They were tough, and also not to you know. Well, poor Jesse, a fucking bitch to edit. Well, a bummer.
3: Well, I know to there edit. there are several a
2: nightmare to edit.
3: There are several a whole lot more
2: work than I'm used to to edit.
3: There are several <laughs> podcasts that record with the hosts living in different locations. Yeah. And I don't understand how that works on a regular basis. And maybe it's like if you start it that way and then it's just ongoing. But I think that's what made it so difficult when we tried to do it is we're used to looking at each other, yeah. having a conversation, yeah, yeah. playing off one another in real time based on body language. Like, I can tell when you're finishing up your point, when you're, you, you mean know. You when I
2: squeeze my nipples?
3: Uh <laughs> <laughs> No, that's not the the sign that I'm talking about, but sure, I think the uh the wop has gone to your head has it? yeah, no,
2: it's fine. no,
3: I'm pretty sure that it's I gone. said certified freak seven days a week. It's fine. it's gone to your head. <laughs> it's dominating no, your thoughts but, but,
2: listen, I think if it was just you and I talking and we didn't play clips, yeah. It would have been a hell of a lot easier. Mm -hmm. I don't know how we're on this, me whining about how hard it was. I mean, it wasn't... It just added a layer of complexity that I haven't had to deal with before. For sure. Because being face-to-face... Right. ...is, ah, goddamn, just so much better, so much easier because of the human interaction thing. For sure. Pinching my nipples notwithstanding.
3: Yeah. Speaking of human interaction, we were supposed to be at a wedding Ah, today. Yes. And we are not... At that wedding. We are not there. We decided not to go because of COVID.
2: COVID also related to my daughter's illness and her um, compromised immune system. A lot of things went into it. But it's it's the wedding of one of my top three best friends in my life Mm -hmm. getting married today, which is such a heartbreaker. It's a bummer to not be there. So... Let me. Let's just use this opportunity, Jackie. I love you. I am over the moon that you found your life's love in Gabe, and you guys have chosen to join in holy matrimony.
3: Oh, <laughs> very
2: nice. No, I, I, anyway, I'm just. I'm so happy. I'm so they they they're they're perfect together, and yes. it's, it's a beautiful thing when people find one another, and you know. Who doesn't love love?
3: Yeah. So. So congrats to Jackie and Gabe. And we love you guys.
2: Yes. So there's not going to be much of an intro today because we've got so much to get to. Yeah. We've got a lot of voicemails, some about the VP pick, some generally about the reelection, and then some, as you would expect, about, uh. He wore female genitalia. You know, Ben Shapiro. Yeah. And his, his, uh, his take on the Cardi B song.
5: Hey guys, it's Laura from Buffalo. Uh, just me and my wet-ass P-word here uh, calling to thank you guys for wet ass talking about this uh, and playing all that Ben Shapiro nonsense because, oh my god, I was crying laughing that S-word was so F-word funny. <laughs> Fuck that guy, man. Ugh, what a fucking little douchebag twerp. Anyway, uh, thanks for talking about this issue. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. And I think it's really important that, you know, women hear other women talking about their own pleasure and taking pleasure from their own bodies instead of them always, their pleasure always being dictated by men or not dictated at all, really, just men's pleasure uh, being what's important, because that's definitely how I grew up. Uh, So... Anyway, once again, me and my wet-ass pussy are saying thank you guys. Uh, I love you. I hope Pops is feeling better. Uh, Okay, bye.
2: Pops is feeling better. Yeah. It's a mess on his chest right now.
3: Well, I don't think we even talked about that. He has hot spots now. We picked him up, and he was... Bleeding and we need to
2: get him some dog Prozac or something because every time yeah. he gets dropped off at the be-, be boarded, yeah, he stresses. I mean, he's such a tough dog that sometimes I put my own, like, ah, nah, he's fine, mm-hmm. but I think he he gets a little wigged out,
3: he's very sensitive when
2: he gets dropped off. He gets the he gets like a sour tongue, yeah, he's got the poops, yeah, he's scratching at himself. He comes back with like pink paws because he's licking himself crazy, yeah,
3: yeah, so he's
2: doing better. We you know another goddamn vet appointment
3: yeah cuz he has two hot spots and so now he's on antibiotics and we're spraying him every day <laughs> i mean it's just a mess with this dog but we're we're looking into getting him uh cbd for dogs and laura actually um sent sent me a link for cbd for dogs and so i'm going to check that out and and see if we can get him some cbd yeah
2: stoner dog
3: get him a little loaded next time
2: <laughs> well you know it is. He's an elder guy. He is, and I, I don't know if it's anxiety so much as as it's the his norm is being broken up. Mm-hmm. It's being disrupted.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you get to be
2: nine years old. That's an
3: old man. He's also blind. He can't see yeah, a fucking he's, thing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> very very blind. Yeah. So anyway, thank you, Laura. And yeah, listen uh, about the topic. I, I think it's justifiable. <laughs> Of women to be, fuck you, dude. And we got one more call on it. And then we're going to play something that Britney found on Twitter from my favorite guy. Ugh, fucking Russell Brand, uh-huh. of all people. The guy who says in 500 words what could be said in 10. Right. He, he, he's kind of like the uh, the British liberal version of Jordan Peterson.
3: Oh, I thought you were going to say like Deepak Chopra. No,
2: yeah. Even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's the white version You of have You have
3: to wade through the word salad to really figure out what's being said. I mean, I have to be very intentional about listening to yeah, it. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Because
3: if you're not paying attention, you just get lost in a sea of words. And I think what happens with Russell Brand is similar to what happens with Jordan Peterson is people like the way he talks yeah yeah it's, and, me- it's mesmerizing and they feel like they're listening to a smart person just based on the rhythm and the cadence the the big words that are sometimes used the well, confidence that is absolutely <laughs> you know there, all these different variables together
2: there is uh i think it's called the Sokol effect there was a paper and i goddamn, i should have we're we're impromptu here if you're looking it up i think it's s-o-k-a-l sokal and it was a person who was very well respected who wanted to test uh, the 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 quality of papers that are that are submitted to different journals and he submitted this paper that was a bunch of flowery nonsense it didn't really mean anything and it got accepted and it's the same kind of thing that people get bamboozled by the nuttiness, by mm-hmm. the the flowery, going nowhere languages, sentences that don't really mean anything,
6: mm-hmm.
2: Deepak Chopra is the perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Laura, thank you for the voicemail. Moving on.
7: Hey, guys, it's Carissa. So happy you're back. Um, so Ben Shapiro, did he basically just admit to all the people, his listeners, that he can't make his wife wet.
4: Bring a bucket Since and he, a mop.
7: He gave out a differential diagnosis to, uh, Cardi B and Megan D. Stallion. He just admitted he can't make a wet and gushy, <laughs> wet ass turkey. Hey, love the show. Britney's the best part. Love Bye. the show. Britney's the best part.
2: It's, Bye. it's a new high for the show. The what? This whole this whole talk track. I was going to say it's a new low for the show, but I kind of like it.
3: Well, I think we we were talking about this earlier, and I think Ben Shapiro is smart enough to know that this was going to be something that keeps him relevant, keeps him uh, in the social media trending center of the internet.
2: Kind of like any, any publicity is good publicity. Yeah, yeah. I
3: mean, he had to have known, right, that he is awkwardly reading these lyrics, that that's going to go viral and... I mean, you're stepping right into the jokes about your wife, and it's, it's, it's something he had to know that was going to happen, right? Extra large and extra hard.
2: He had to have known.
3: You think so? <laughs> of course.
2: Okay. I mean It's calculated. Yeah. Nothing this guy does is by accident. It's yeah. not like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit there, and I'm going to read the lyrics, and it's going to be great, and everybody's going to love it, and uh, it's, I'm going to take her down.
3: Yeah. No, he's stepping into it. He knows. I made a mistake one time where someone asked me if I liked Ben Shapiro or I was impressed by Ben Shapiro. (laughs) And I answered without like thinking what their opinion might be before I answered. And I was like. No, I don't. And they asked why. And I said, well, because I'm not, like, impressed by people who just talk fast. And that's, like, their thing that they think makes them seem smart.
2: That's not a mistake. That sounds like the right way to answer.
3: And then they stared at me. And then I had the thought of, oh, no. They like Ben Shapiro.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, you just assume people are smart.
3: Well, and they're not going to
2: be, again, bamboozled by bullshit.
3: Well, there's, there's a lot of people. That have been bamboozled. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) For sure. Mm -hmm.
2: Anyway, let's get on to this Russell Brand thing real quick. It's like two and a half minutes, but it is him, well, just being Russell Brand about the whole thing.
6: key point I would like to make is, do we achieve equality by aspiring to the values established by the forces or uh, uh, authors of the hierarchy and system itself, i.e., Do women achieve equality by aspiring to and replicating the values that have been established by males? Let's take this one simple example, because that's what this video is about. If male hip-hop tropes are about the potency of male sexuality, which we sort of think, well, these are reductive, it's not a celebration of uh, traditional, conventional, male values such as duty service loyalty bravery courage all traits of course that can exist across genders and sexes but i'm talking about traditional values and uh and then the the female video is a sort of a celebration of sexual potency or let's just take the description that the 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 guardian offered Sexuality, sensuality isn't shy, coy, loud articulation of female desire. Essentially, it's an emulation of a template that already exists and was established by males. Is it equality if the template has already been established by the former dominator? The answer is no. It's an argument that I suppose is easy to make, but a lot less bloody sexy, when considering the leadership of Margaret Thatcher was margaret thatcher a feminist icon no because the values that she extolled espoused and uh, conveyed were male values she was a woman man she was a very 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 powerful person a brilliant politician but it her premiership did not lead to more opportunity for women more successful women Conventional female values such as n- nurture, care, and equality. Now, it's a very interesting place to have a debate, isn't it?
3: So. By the way, that cut
2: off, that's him. He cut it off. That's not us, him getting to something else.
3: Yeah. So the primary thesis of that entire clip was the question that he asked about 15 seconds in. So he he didn't need to do that entire thing that he just did. <laughs> so going back quite a ways, but we played that because I want to I also want to juxtapose what he labeled as values for men and values for women. Um so the the central thesis being do women achieve equality by aspiring to values of men? That's yeah. that's the question that he asked. Right he talked about values of men being and he said traditionally traditionally i'm saying these can yeah. be either side but traditionally we're speaking duty service courage bravery there was another one and i missed it loyalty
2: but, i think because okay. i wrote him down. i wrote duty courage bravery val- valor which i guess wasn't in there loyalty
3: okay and then values of women i, I think he mentioned three i only caught two uh, nurture and care
2: <laughs> wow traditional
3: so does Russell Brand have, like, a 1950s view of the role of women here? I mean, nurture, that's that's the go-to value of women is what he's that talking you're going to go to?
1: Yeah.
3: And this is the frustrating thing. I don't know that you can say Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion were aspiring to values of men. I mean, for him to say that they don't have values of sexuality, body image, positivity, whatever you want to call it, power... Power through sexuality. That that is something that they learned from men or that they stole from men. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. That
3: seems odd to me to yeah. say that. Because why is it that Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion can't be empowered in their sexuality? Because, well, that's something that that they want. And that's something that makes them feel powerful and yeah, good yeah. about themselves. Uh, and has actually nothing to do with trying to be like men. The, the, it boils
2: this two minutes and thirty nine seconds or whatever the fuck it was. It boils down to me is he doesn't believe it's if feminism or power or, or or empowerment because he doesn't believe it or doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. If they believe it's feminism, if they feel empowered by it, then shut your fucking mouth, you two tight t-shirt wearing freak. The, did you see the video of this? Not just the audio.
3: I did. <laughs> It's
2: like he took a low V-neck and sliced it with a knife so it, like, went all the way down to where his pubes start. It's He's just a goddamn—he's a caricature of himself at this point.
3: Well, I think what's what's most alarming is not the shirt. Uh, well, but it's not
2: most alarming, but I was alarmed it's, by it. It's
3: a focus for you at this moment, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, that remains to be seen. But I, I think that it is someone who typically espouses— liberal values yeah. which I I believe Russell Brand typically does.
2: I I think so. For ostensibly. him. For
3: him to be like using his platform to criticize feminism and <laughs> saying, why don't feminists love Margaret Thatcher? Like what what's happening right now?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Um the point is men are allowed to be many different people and wear many different hats and have many different values. And there consistently is this pushback when women try to step out of the box that has been created for them in terms of the way that they're supposed to be, supposed to look, supposed to behave. Yeah. And Russell Brand appears to be falling into that trap. I mean, you expect it from Ben Shapiro. You don't expect it from Russell Brand to be sitting there and talking about the values of women being nurturing.
2: Especially for me, it seems odd. He would consider himself an artist or an artistic type. That he It would, sounds
3: like you want to say artiste.
2: Uh, it does not. Oh,
3: okay. I,
2: it may sound that way to you. <laughs> I did not have that in my head. Okay. But he is an artiste. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems to me that being a guy who would consider himself an artist, that he would be shitting on their art. Hmm. And their path to feminism through art, it just shut the fuck up. And take out some of the piercings. It's too much. It's too fucking much. You got too many necklaces on. It's too many bracelets. It's too much.
3: Does this happen, by the way, with male rap artists where there's so many different talking heads that want to critique and analyze and dissect the meaning behind it and what male power is and masculinity? Like, is Russell Brand coming out every time there's a a hip-hop single by a man, analyzing what masculinity is and what it represents. In
2: fact, the only time that rap gets critiqued, male-driven rap, traditional rap, would be, like, Bill O'Reilly going after fucking... Common or fucking ludicrous. Remember when he went after ludicrous when Luda was doing like Pepsi ads or something? I don't remember that. Ugh, fuck. I mean, so it's always the vulgarity and the censorship angle. Now you've got the liberals. Oh, oh, that's... Fuck, who knows? Yeah. Anyway, we wanted to bring that to you because that was uh, not even on my radar.
3: Going back to what I said, though, it's all about trying to control women tell them how to behave yes tell them what they should be doing
2: what feminism or liberation is or isn't for them being told by a man and
3: and that is the point when ben shapiro tried to be uh, a dick and say oh this is what the feminists have fought for yeah it is it is what the feminists have fought for what he
2: said this is what it's all been about just this only this it's Not, not only it's
3: being free to express yourself be who you are that's it yeah Without dudes coming down on you, telling you that you should be more nurturing and kind of not be as vulgar and slow it down. Right.
2: The mother, Cardi B. Right. The I mean,
3: who said you're by not the way, being a mom
2: the way I think you should be being a mom.
3: She said, by the way, tweeted this, that she when she rapped about the one in the trunk, the the truck in her little garage, Oh yeah. <laughs> that she was talking to her husband.
2: Yeah, that's right. She's
3: rapping to her husband. Yeah. Isn't that the values that all the Republicans want? Yeah, she wants. She's him happily to married. Touch
2: that dangly thing in the back of her throat.
3: She's happily married and has a great time. It sounds like a great. I think that's what they want from people.
2: Hey, man. I said certified freak seven days a week. Seven days a week, Brittany. Hmm. Anyway, thanks for the call, Carissa. We appreciate it. Moving on to more traditional. I doubt it. With Dollamore subject matter, the election.
8: Hey, Miss Brittany and Jesse. Glad you guys are back. And glad um, your daughter's on the road to recovery and, and positive thoughts. <clears throat> also, very excited that you guys turned me on to WAP. Thank you very much. Um, this is Chris from Healthscape known as the Southern United States, specifically Cherokee County, Georgia. Quick question for you guys. Um, trying to be optimistic here, but really not in my nature. I don't see how uh, Big Orange does not get reelected. Specifically, because of it's he's rigging the system between the you know the post office stuff, the, the voter suppression, the gerrymandering, all that. Um, I really hope he doesn't. I'm trying to be positive, but what are your thoughts on that? Is is that an insurmountable um, gap? to a bridge there? Um, do we think that this can be fixed? Do we think that the Democratic Party or the or the uh, hopefully the democracy that still in place or that's left or we're going to shreds of it are left can ensure that this election is as fair as possible. Um, you know, again, not only is, do we have all the voter suppression and mail ballots and all that stuff, still, uh, hacking election fraud and all that from third party or, or foreign countries. Anyway, love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, glad everybody's back and everybody's is healthy and, and, um, yeah, have at it, man. Thank you very much.
3: Great, great question. I feel very much the same in terms of trying to hold on to any shred of optimism or positivity that exists in my body, and right now it is not very much. <laughs> so,
2: um, well, let me say before you you move on there.
3: How optimistic are you? <laughs> oh no! Yeah, no, don't tell us that. You're the one. You're the one. <laughs> You are the optimistic one. Yeah, you well, lift I'm the spirits. Still,
2: listen, I'm still optimistic. Oh no! But it is it is diminishing by the day, and mainly, and we'll get into this, but mainly because what the fuck are the Democrats doing other than tweeting? Ah, I'm really concerned about this, Nancy Pelosi. This is an outrage. Even our Congressman Harley Ruda. Uh, Donald Trump's removing post office boxes. Well, what are you fucking doing about it? You're in power. What are we supposed to do? Subpoena. Subpoena. Louis DeJoy. The
3: the postmaster general.
2: Yes. Yes. Fucking subpoena him. And then if he resists. Then you fucking arrest him. Then you arrest him
3: the congressional power you have yes. you have the power
2: it's not like donald you're treating donald trump like he is a dictator exert your motherfucking congressional authority you're a co-equal branch of yeah so i yes yeah i'm i'm, I'm still optimistic i'm not to where chris is that uh, donald trump is absolutely going to be reelected But I'm, I'm, there is worry within me. There is worry. And one being that I was so confident in 2016 and look what the fuck happened. Because if Donald Trump is reelected, I don't, I, I don't know that there's any other way to say that all bets are off. That we are a fundamentally different country than we were November 7th, 2016. Yeah. A fundamentally different country.
3: So a few things. Donald Trump tweeted today. The Democrats know the 2020 election will be a fraudulent mess. We'll maybe never know who won. So one positive thing (laughs) I would say is that he's making it very clear what he's doing. Oh, yeah. There's no question. It's out in the open. We see it. Any thinking person should see it as an obvious move what he's trying to do. He's trying to delegitimize the election. Leading up to the election, so that people. Preemptively, yeah. So that people feel unsure by the time the election happens about whether it will actually be legitimate or whether we're able to count votes at all.
2: Yeah, so like if he loses or it's looking like he's going to lose, see, I told you, look, fuckers, I called it early. I, right. I called it early on. I knew it. Exactly. I predicted this.
3: Yes. So. Uh, Which are- has never
2: been done. This has never been done in the history of our country. Even Al Gore, when an election was legitimately stole from him, he fucking did the, the noble... A member of the Clinton administration did something noble, stepped back for the good of the country, ostensibly, and re- resigned his right to the presidency of the United States so that there wasn't more social strife that's not what we have now
3: well you also asked so i had a couple of things i needed to address it's okay uh you also asked what are the democrats doing well i i can't speak for all the democrats but i do know what one democrat is doing and that one democrat is senator elizabeth warren a very controversial figure for some reason. It's but not a
2: progressive. Not a, She's not a progressive. She's a, she wants to attack Bernie. She's not really a progressive. She's a corporatist. Fucking idiots.
3: So she, um, she demanded that the United States Postal Service's internal ethics watchdog investigate alleged corruption by Postmaster General Louis De- DeJoy. Louis DeJoy were buying amazon stock options after his appointment to his job yes and she actually
2: here's what actually here's what he did okay really very briefly yeah he sold because as a federal employee you're required or in someone in his position you're required to divest yourself of any conflict conflict of interest uh investments he sold his amazon stocks and then the very same day bought a bunch of stock options which allow him to they allow him to buy a certain number of stocks at a certain price. So he's effectively not divested.
3: So DeJoy held between 100000 and 250000 worth of stock in Amazon when he joined the Trump administration, CNN reported, citing financial disclosures. DeJoy divested the shares on June 24th, but on that same day bought between 50000 and 100000 of Amazon stock options. Which give him the right to buy shares in Amazon at one thousand eight hundred sixty per share, yeah. according to CNN. As a result, he still stands to benefit financially if Amazon's share price increases. Amazon stock stock closed on Thursday at three thousand one hundred sixty-one per share.
2: So he's he's getting a discount. He's getting half almost. What did you say that, that it closed at? Three
3: thousand one sixty-one. Yeah, and he bought it at eighteen hundred. Yeah. eighteen sixty. Corruption. Yeah.
2: Bold-faced, bald-faced, whatever-faced,
3: fucking corruption. So Democrats also raised concerns, though, that he retained a significant stake in his former company, XPO Logistics, which is a contractor for the Postal Service. Yep. In an email statement to The Verge, Elizabeth Warren wrote that DeJoy has, quote, a personal stake in the Postal Service's decline, and his stake got bigger when he bought Amazon stock after his appointment. So... What she did was she called for an investigation and by the
2: IG, the Postal Service IG.
3: Right. And so now the uh, internal watchdog at the United States Postal Service is reviewing recent policy changes uh, that have been imp- imposed under Postmaster General. Louis DeJoy. Why do I struggle reading that name?
2: Well, because it's Lewis.
3: Okay. And they're also Some people
2: call him Lewis. Some people call him Louis. I call him Louis because it just doesn't sound as formal.
3: And the <laughs> the internal watchdog is also examining his compliance with federal ethics rules. And if you want to know, because it wasn't just Elizabeth Warren, it was Elizabeth Warren and eight other Democratic lawmakers that asked the inspector general to launch this inquiry yeah we'll give you the list here of these other democrats so that you can praise them whether it be online or just mentally in your head of a mental note saying thank you for actually doing something rather than just tweeting
2: (laughs) people who actually did something and then after this i have a clip from her talking about this
3: yeah so Uh, Senator Gary Peters of Michigan, Senator Tom Carpenter of Delaware, Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon, Senator Tina Smith of Minnesota, and House Oversight Committee Chairwoman Rep. Carolyn Maloney of New
7: York.
2: Yes. So, well, one, I'm going to play this because so many people are the Bernie people in our audience who are only Bernie, only have an eye for Bernie. No other progressives exist in the entire United States, especially in Congress, other than the squad who overlook and disparage Elizabeth Warren. She's the one who got the fucking ball rolling on this. Someone who's actually goddamn doing something. This is from her YouTube channel.
4: Here's how, in a matter of months, Donald Trump has undermined and corrupted our most popular government
1: agency.
8: The Postal Service is a joke.
1: A top donor to President Trump and the Republican National Committee has been named... Wait for it. The new head of the Postal Service. Louis DeJoy will take over the agency in mid-June. DeJoy is a fundraiser for the Republican National Convention. Postal Union
6: is now raising the alarm about an intentional slowdown in mailing centers across the country.
4: There's growing concern the Trump administration is working to degrade the Postal Service ahead of the expected surge in mail-in ballots for the November election. He's doing his best to undermine our confidence in the process, but worse, he's doing his best to actually steal the vote. Since Louis DeJoy was named Postmaster General, he has made dangerous changes to the Postal Service, changes that make it harder for Americans to get their Social Security checks, to get prescriptions, and to get ballots so they can vote by mail. So who is this person who's making these changes? He is a Republican mega-donor, a Trump loyalist, and he is a walking conflict of interest. He and his wife own assets worth tens of millions of dollars in Postal Service competitors and contractors. That means he could have a stake in the Postal Service's decline. And Trump?
8: You'll never know who the winner is, but the winner's going to be me.
4: He has a stake in its decline, too, because he knows that if people are heard in November, he and the Republicans will lose. Elizabeth Warren and a group of other Democratic senators have sent a letter calling for the inspector general to look into what's going on at the U.S. Postal Service. And that's why I've asked the inspector general, an independent watchdog, to investigate the new postmaster general's motives for the recent changes that he's making. I want to make sure that the Postal Service is not becoming another political tool for Donald Trump, because it sure smells like it Congress must take action to fund the Postal Service, to expand vote-by-mail efforts, and to fight for our right to vote safely during this pandemic. So please, join our fight to protect the Postal Service and our democracy.
2: This is what our elected leaders are supposed to be. This is what they're supposed to do in the face of rampant public corruption not even secret she's not calling for an investigations that will drag on for months she's calling for this to be looked in internally by the inspector general of the the post office now we know the relationship that donald trump has with igs firing multiple and that's why subpoenas need to be issued more does need to be done
3: yeah for sure it's not it's not it's not as though the problem is solved. It's Absolutely n- It's not as not. though she's saving the post office on her own, and we're we're praising her for getting everything done right now. But- we're
2: praising her for doing something more than tweeting or right. going on CNN right. and crying belly about it.
3: Right. I mean, even like Gavin Newsom was tweeting, and he's like, "The USPS is the best." Retweet if you agree. Like, what are you doing?
2: Right. What are you at
3: scene What's happening? What What good is this? i I'm, I'm exaggerating, by the way. That oh. wasn't an actual. <laughs> I'm exaggerating, yeah. Not 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 actually the tweet. <laughs>
2: oh, right. Well that's that's the difference.
3: What is he a Krasin Krasn? Krasenstein?
2: I don't fucking know. Is that how you say it? Those m- I think they got, banned. Ma- they got banned. The one of their wives is still on. Yeah. Um they're multi level marketing dipshits, is what they are.
3: Sometimes I see them pop up in my timeline, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Or the wife. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think it's like Krasenstein wife is what she goes by. (laughs) Goddamn. Talk about not having your own fucking identity.
3: Well, I think that those brothers had a prominent following, like a substantial following. So she probably, when they got banned, wanted to use the name to retain that following. Fucking
2: grifters. Allegedly. (laughs) Anyway, uh, we kind of got all mixed up. We got in the middle of this whole postal service thing. Um, Since we're here... Uh, before we get to the next call, let's let's play. Listen, we're just going to skip Dalmocracy. Ah, what do you know? We'll just do it right now. Dalmocracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Since we're here already, we'll just intermingle it into the show.
3: Yeah, I want to talk about a few issues with the post office that, that that's happening right now. I first want to mention that President Trump and Melania Trump have requested mail-in ballots for Florida's upcoming primary. Of course. So this is at the same time that Donald Trump is talking about mail-in voting just being rife with fraud. Oh, yeah. It's just endless. There's no way to know. <laughs> There's dead people sending in ballots. It's-
2: 124 year olds, he says, voted.
3: Yes. So, but but he wants to send in his ballot because Florida is safe and secure from oh. voter fraud. Yeah.
2: I mean, the the, the the one of the 50 states that he happens to be registered to vote in, they got it on lock. Yes. the 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 the, the state with the Trump sycophant bootlicker mm-hmm. in office as governor yeah they happen to have it on lock
3: the rest of the country compromised
2: compromise.
3: florida quote safe and secure that's
2: right unless <laughs> unless you know it has to do with COVID, which is
3: oh definitely ground not. zero definitely not safe <laughs> and secure when it comes to that but how hilarious is this yeah. and who buys this that the state in which donald trump is going to vote is the only state where mail-in yeah. voting is safe and secure. i'll tell
2: you who buys it uh, this just in.
6: No oh, Trump, baby.
2: <laughs> yeah, that guy fucking buys it. Perfect. So, um, by the way, just just a couple months ago, Donald Trump was asked about the fact that he did vote mail in, and um, this was his answer.
4: So you were highly critical of mail in voting, mailing your mail in
1: ballots for voting. I think mail in voting minutes, is But horrible. You voted by it's mail corrupt. in Florida's election last month, didn't I'm you?
8: Sure, I I could vote by mail for that
1: because I'm allowed to
8: because he's allowed to.
3: <sighs>
2: he's a Brittany, You just don't understand. Mhm. Donald Trump is allowed to. Yeah. But everybody else is fraudulent, fucking. By the way, notice that the 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 reasoning, the the excuse making has shifted. Right. It's no longer that because he's allowed to, because that's a stupid fucking answer. Mm-hmm. Now it's, oh, well, it's because their system is secure.
3: Right. Yeah, someone got in his ear and was like, dude,
2: That's not gonna fly.
3: You sound like a little kid up there. Cause I can. I can do it <laughs> right? Yes.
2: Yeah, your face was funny.
3: It's just it's horrifying. Yes, and I, it is. listen, I I remember before Donald Trump got elected that there were people who were like, Hillary Clinton's not much better. She's not better. Oh uh,
2: god
5: damn.
3: Right? And I I will never forget the people who said that to me. Yeah. Every time I hear one of these clips from Donald Trump, I think of those
4: people.
2: Yeah. It's remarkable. It's remarkable because it's even worse than I ever thought it could be. It really is. And I was was not the liberal I am now four years ago.
3: For sure. Yeah.
2: And even then, it was like, this guy is anathema to what we aspire to be in America, he is bad fucking juju. This guy is not good for America in any sense of the, of, of, of what could be decent.
3: Right, and we, uh, more me than you, are horrified when people go back and listen to old episodes. But I think one of the things that would be consistent if people go back and listen to old episodes is that we have always disliked Donald Trump. And I I believe this because... Even before he ran for president, like several years before he ran for president, I tweeted something like, who the fuck cares what Donald Trump has to say? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I mean, this was in like 2011 or something. I don't know. But
2: he's a racist fucking conspiracy theorist.
3: He's always been. And I think Dan Rather recently tweeted. He's like, I I don't prefer the term birtherism. I prefer the term racism. Yeah. Because that's what it is. It's racism.
2: Right. Which is what we're going to get to next. But before we do, we have another call. Um, someone's given some advice on a podcast to listen to to give you instructions on how to vote by mail.
7: Hi, guys. I thought I would call in um, in response to you guys and Brittany talking about getting your uh, vote by mail situation in order and registration in order. Um, I just listened to a great podcast um, from NPR's Life Kit. It's called How to Vote by Mail, a guide. It talks all about how to both by mail and resources on how to find out if, how to apply for that and check your registration. It takes a few minutes, and the whole podcast episode, I think, is around 15 minutes. Um, just thought I would share, and Brittany's the best part. Bye. Love the show, Brittany's the best part.
2: So life kit by NPR 15 minute episode gives you all the deets on how to register, how to vote by mail. And hopefully I haven't listened to it yet, but hopefully they'll even do follow up episodes, follow up episodes on how to do so in the midst of the dismantling, the hobbling of our, our post office.
3: And, and we have time on this. So if listeners want to call in with their own reactions to what's going on, what they have found in their reading and their research, we definitely want to hear from you. 657 464 7609, or I doubt it at dollamore.com. I want to say before we move on that a Washington Post article um, recently written Postal Service warns 46 states their voters could be disenfranchised by delayed mail in ballots. Yeah. And, I mean, it's it's really scary when you start reading about this, for sure. Especially with the sorting machines. And, Jesse, you've been really talking about this. Uh, 671 mail sorting machines have been removed across the country since June. That represents a reduction in national mail sorting capacity of 21.4 million pieces of mail per hour. Per
2: hour! 21 million pieces of mail per hour. And listen, if they there... Re- how does this make any sense to me? Does, if someone's a logistical person out there who understands the ins and outs of this, I'd love to hear some, some excuse that would make, make this make sense. How is it that removing automated sorting machines from mail facilities gets you toward efficiency? So mail facilities have to sort by hand rather than automated with a machine. How in the fuck... Is that going to make things more efficient? How is that a cost-saving measure? If you already own the sorting machines, how is taking them out of facilities going to help anything? It's not. The answer is it's not. This is a public effort to interfere domestically in our presidential election in 2020. Mm -hmm. That is all that it is. Louis DeJoy gave millions and millions of dollars to the Republican National Committee. He has given millions of dollars to the Trump Victory Fund. He is a Trump lackey. He owns tens of millions of dollars between three companies. Now, the bulk of it is with XPO Logistics, which is a contractor to the post office. But he owns hundreds of thousands of dollars in in uh, UPS, obviously a direct competitor of the Postal Service, and J.B. Hunt Trucking. Also a competitor to the Postal Service. How is he allowed to profit and to run an entity that is in direct competition to companies that he's part owner of? It is sickeningly unethical. Well, it- But that is what we've become used to with Donald
1: Trump.
3: Right. There's just so much that it's hard to keep up. And that's really the goal, I think, is to just keep going and overload the American population so that it just becomes exhausting and we start tuning it out. Yeah. But it's important that we don't tune it out. And I want to read a little bit more from this Washington Post reporting, quote, some states anticipate 10 times the normal volume of election mail. Six states and D.C. received warnings that ballots could be delayed for a narrow set of voters. But the Postal Service Gave 40 others, including the key battleground states of Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Florida, more serious warnings that their long standing deadlines for requesting, returning, or counting ballots were incongruous with mail service and that voters who send ballots close to those deadlines may become disenfranchised. Yeah. So, one thing here, and I don't want to freak people out to the point where they feel like it doesn't matter. And they end up not voting because they feel like it's not going to get there in time, right? One solution here is to, as soon as you get your ballot, complete it and return it. Same day. As soon as you get it.
2: Yeah. Well, what's happening here is normally, typically, traditionally, I'm using, I'm trying to be Russell Brand here.
3: I was getting that. (laughs) <laughs> it didn't seem familiar for Jesse D. So, what what what
2: typically happens? Oh, there's another one. Typically, what, what what typically happens with the post office during election years and and mail-in ballots is, even though it's paid at the bulk mail rate, at let's say 20 percent per piece, postal employees handle it as though it's first class, and that's that's not being happened as a matter of policy. Now they're saying, no, you handle that mail at that slower rate, no matter what it is. So that, that's the thing is if you're going to mail it in, you need to mail it in t- 10 days, two weeks prior to the election to ensure that it actually goes through the system and has time to get to the to the polling place or just drop off your ballot at an actual polling location yeah. and have them count it that way or just go and vote traditionally and show up and be prepared to wait in line however long it is for sure, yeah. because you can't sit this one out. You cannot rely on on the patriotism and um civic mindedness of your neighbors and your family and and the rest of your your countrymen and women because this is i fucking i feel weird saying it but it's the most important election of our goddamn lifetimes this really is a turning point of whether we lose our country or whether we hand it to trump republicans for generations
3: And I I want to say that this is something we're going to be talking about. It's going to be the new theme until the election, because we want to make sure that voters are educated and prepared to act so that there are not these these concerns leading up to Election Day that everyone feels prepared and knows what to do. So that their vote is counted. Yes. And we really need to be proactive about educating people in our lives about what they can do. And we're going to do that as much as possible on this show. And we want you to take part in that, too. So... If you're reading things, we're missing something. We want to hear from you. That's part of what we do on the show is moving the conversation forward. It's not just me and Jesse here talking at each other. We want to hear from you. Join this conversation. Talk about your fears. Talk about your solutions. 657-464-7609 or it at dollamore.com.
2: Now we'll do a live read of the mid-roll. Listen, we are a listener-produced program. If you've been on the fence, you've thought, eh. Maybe I'll become a patron today on patreon, but maybe I won't maybe We'd love to have you consider becoming a patron, uh, a patreon supporter a yeah. patron on patreon
3: and how about this if how about it if you've been on the fence and you're still on the fence. And you listened to the previous episode and you laughed out loud during the WAP segment.
2: Seems like we, br- we bring some value.
3: Seems like we bring some value to your life. Yes. And seems like you may want to chip in even $2 to Hop become. on top, I want to ride. I do a Kegel while it's inside. Yeah. I, why am I being interrupted by Ben Shapiro talking about Kegels? I don't. Is that. Would
2: you rather this? Bring a bucket and a mop. You just don't want any Ben Shapiro. I would
3: rather Ben Shapiro not interrupt me, is, (laughs) I think, what I'm getting at. If that's... All right. Okay. So, I don't even remember what I was saying, but I think for, like, $2 a month, that would be the minimum. Yeah, yeah. And that would be very nice if if people could do that. Well, it's like
2: I talk on YouTube. If we were able to marshal the size of our audience... uh, We have... we, We think every single patron... And we've got, I don't know, 360 or so. If we could get like a thousand patrons, we'd be able to, the, this show could really transform into something a lot bigger than it is now. Right. And it's really strictly based on the support that we get. So anyway, we love you guys. We appreciate all of your support. The show will always be free, but we lean on the fact that it is a listener produced
3: program. Yes.
2: Yeah. All right, let's let's move on here and talk a little bit about Donald Trump and his racist birtherism. We have to use both of them, no? I mean, I want to just go by what Dan Rather says. (laughs) But he was asked about this in in a presser because some lawyer, some law professor, actually, a guy from right here in Orange County, California, a fucking dipshit named John Eastman, who's written a book called One Nation Under God, The Pledge of Allegiance Under Attack, is asserting in a Newsweek why the fuck they would give this guy a platform, a Newsweek op-ed where he is asserting that Kamala Harris isn't, isn't eligible to be a vice president of the United States because she is, it's again, it's birtherism. She was born in fucking Oakland, California. She is by nature of her existence and her birth, a naturalized citizen, a natural citizen of the United States.
3: What do Republicans expect people to do when the only time they raise questions of eligibility for political candidates yeah. it, is when a, they're people of color. That's right. Uh, what What other explanation would Republicans have us use?
2: It's race. Because, you know, what, what, when it happened and it didn't catch on and they just dropped it was fucking Ted Cruz, who was born in Canada. Went away. It just went away. Mm-hmm. It's, it's racism. Yeah. Because that is what they traffic in. Right. So... Anyway, this dipshit wrote this op-ed, which shouldn't have been published because it's fucking nonsense, conspiracy nonsense. And Donald Trump was asked about it in his COVID presser. And this is how he did not at all push back. In fact, gave credence and legitimacy to the author of this conspiracy theory rather than just say, oh, yeah, that's nonsense.
4: Please, go ahead.
7: President, I have two questions. The first one on domestic politics,
8: third Can't understand the word you're saying. There
6: are claims circulating in social media that Kamala Harris is not eligible to be to run for vice president because she was an anchor baby, I hope. Do you or can you definitively say whether or not Kamala Harris is eligible, legal meets the legal
4: requirements to run as vice president?
8: So I just heard that, I heard it today that she doesn't meet the requirements uh, and by the way the lawyer that wrote that piece is a very highly qualified very talented lawyer i have no idea if that's right i would have th- i would have assumed the democrats would have checked that out before she gets chosen to run for vice president but that's a very serious you're saying that they're saying that she doesn't qualify because she wasn't born in this country no
4: she was born in this country but her parents did not uh the claims say that her parents did not receive their permanent
7: residence at
8: that yeah. time. I don't know about it. I just heard about it. I'll take a look.
7: There's
3: no way that he knows anything about this dude. I, I would love yeah, for the yeah, follow up yeah. of oh, he's very talented and impressive. What what do you know?
2: Highly qualified. What he do you says. know about him
3: that makes him so highly qualified and talented? Yeah. It's just words, filler words that he always uses about people that he learns agrees with him and that he wants to elevate. That's it. He knows nothing about John C. Eastman, who wrote the article.
2: It, 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 I wonder if this guy, I mean, I had to look him up. I, I don't even know if he's he's uh, an active. Um,
3: Looks like he's faculty at Chapman.
2: Which is sickening. I'm sure he's tenured, which is another fucking problem with tenure. That this guy gets to just fucking spew his nonsense and float damaging racist conspiracy theories out there. And nothing is he at risk. He's not at risk at all fucking lame as fuck.
3: Well, they have added an editor's note for the op-ed. So this is what the editor's note says. This op-ed is being used by some as a tool to perpetuate racism and xenophobia. We apologize. The essay by John Eastman was intended to explore a minority legal argument about the definition of who is a, quote, natural born citizen in the United States. But to many readers, the essay inevitably conveyed the ugly message that Senator Kamala Harris, a woman of color and the child of immigrants, was somehow not truly American. The op-ed was never intended to spark or take part in the racist lie of birtherism, the conspiracy theory aimed at delegitimizing Barack Obama, but we should have recognized the potential, even probability, that that could happen.
2: That is That whole statement's fucking trash bullshit. They said in the statement, inevitably, it led to this, but we should have known that. Well, if it's inevitable, yeah, you should have fucking known it. Ugh. The media is complicit in this nonsense because they know what's going to whip people up into a frenzy.
3: It's just scary. Everything that's happening on the internet from QAnon where yeah. I'm seeing people that haven't read a book since high school, except 50 shades of gray, like talking about how they they've done their research on the flight logs and stuff like <laughs> I, it's, very yeah. it's very alarming. It's very alarming certain segments of the internet and what people feel like is legitimate because they see a picture of something and then they start making these arguments it's 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 very alarming i i don't know there should be classes taught in high school about how to navigate the internet what is a legitimate source what is not a legitimate source and this is a unique problem this is not something that i think was a problem When I was in high school.
2: Do you think that's because the internet isn't quite what it is now then? It wasn't quite yet what it is.
3: I mean, I don't know. People
2: are getting more astute at manipulation by using the internet.
3: I mean, algorithms play a role. Yeah, sure. All that stuff. Uh, People using the algorithms to indoctrinate and pull people into alt light, alt-right thinking.
2: Crafting their content in a way that is going to be used best by those algorithms, like on YouTube, for instance.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I just, I wish there was better training, but I don't know what to do about that now with people who I went to high school with that have never cared about anything intellectual before until they find QAnon, and now right. suddenly they think they have all the world's secrets.
2: Yeah, right. Them, from their couch, are somehow tapped into a world that is, that that, that deep seeded deep state secrets they're able to uncover from internet explorer or fucking google chrome yeah and it's, chrome. it's
3: sad because people like uh donald trump jr they also legitimize QAnon shit yeah online sure of course. so you have people in power that are legitimizing this just like the the newsweek attorney who's very talented
2: very highly qualified
3: yeah so
2: This kind of, we're going all over the board here. This is not in the order that was planned, but yeah, sometimes that happens. It also. We're still rusty. It also, no, it's not even rusty. This is great. I like when we organically go from topic to topic. This leads us right into this Ainsley Earhart thing that you would expect people who are in the news media, quote unquote, because you work for Fox, to know the actual, listen, it's one thing if they want to spin the bullshit. This is about kids getting COVID. Now that schools are opening, they're realizing, oh shit, yeah, kids aren't immune from the coronavirus, like Donald Trump has said, like many people in the administration have said. That is not the case. And the other day, Ainsley Earhart had a doctor, a physician on the show by the way, just as a reminder who Ainsley Earhart is.
4: What about the majority? Okay, I'm the majority. so tired of protecting the minority.
2: You know Ainsley Earhart, who's so tired of protecting the minority in this country.
3: Because she does it so well. You know, and she's tired of it because she's put so much effort into it. That's right. For
2: so many years, I've protected the minority, everybody, and I'm so tired of it. (sighs) What about the majority? What about the power structure? They're the ones that I need to help prop up.
3: She needs to move on (laughs) from the protection of the minority to now the majority. So
2: you would expect her, being a member of the media, to have the straight scoop on things, to have an understanding of what the fuck's going
3: on. When I think of Ainsley Earhart, I think of straight (laughs) scoop. (laughs) that's what i think of
2: so you intro this clip then
3: well you know there's many people who are hoping all of the kids can go back to school and be in school and spread the germs around because they think that kids can't get covid
2: that's right immune
3: yeah they think kids are immune and ainsley earhart being in the know with all her power in the media and speaking to all kinds of experts all day well she thinks they're immune too
4: all worried about sending our kids back to school. What is that going to look like for our country and for our elderly grandparents and things like that? Ninety-seven thousand kids have tested positive. We all—that was such a shock to me because I had heard kids really don't get it. If they do, they're all going to be okay. What? Do you have know any details about that? Those per that percentage of kids that did get it—are they all doing okay? Do you have any deaths?
7: Uh, I don't know about the mortality and the morbidity right now in that group. Um, you know, that was just in two weeks. So about a hundred thousand new cases in pediatric kids, just in two weeks. And I can guarantee you that number is actually much higher. We don't really test kids that often. They're usually asymptomatic. They have very mild symptoms, but they're still shedding this virus. So that is going to artificially be low, no matter how good we are about testing right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, that's what we're worried about right now is sending these kids, to school then sending them home. And it's not the kids so much we're concerned about. Obviously we are, but it's their grandparents, their parents, when their parents then go to work, who they're spreading this to.
4: Yeah, right. We're just going to have to be extremely careful because we all, most of Americans want the kids back in school, but we want to do it safely. But it it is true though, that when the kids get it, they don't have the, you said it's just minimal side effects, right? If they even see those at all.
7: Well, so that's majority of them. So it, the, the likelihood of death and the likelihood of critical illness is lower. But it's possible. I mean, a 7-year-old just died in Georgia with no medical problems. We hear about this, and we see it all the time. Kids get sick. They get multisystem inflammatory syndrome from this. They can get ill from this. The likelihood is just lower. So they're not immune to this. They definitely can fall ill. Um,
3: so I'm glad that they had this woman on. Uh,
2: that was what I was going to say.
3: Because. For sure. At least they did that. You have Ainsley Earhart, who is just so surprised by this information. I
2: thought, well, I've been listening to my president and he's been saying they're immune.
3: <laughs> it's. <laughs> that was like a mix of Krusty the Clown and.
2: Yeah, it's uh, Ainsley Ainsley Woodpecker.
3: OK. <laughs> so. But that, she also touched on the crucial point, which is the kids. If they do get coronavirus, are likely to experience mild symptoms, but they're going to bring it home potentially to people That's who right. have uh, compromised immune systems or who are more vulnerable to actually dying and having significant symptoms as and, a result of this virus. And we're
2: talking about the likelihood because she just talked about a seven-year-old to die. Right. They absolutely can still die. Right. Yes. So sending them to school because, well, they're not going to get it, one, is bullshit.
6: Yeah. Sending
2: them to school because, well... Not very many of them are going to get it, is bullshit. Sending them to school that if they do get it, they're not going to die, is bullshit. But moreover, it's the fact that they're going to bring it home because they're asymptomatic and transfer it to people who are in at-risk groups.
3: Well... What's, what's interesting to me is the hypocrisy when it comes to the Republicans and many conservatives that I see commenting on this issue that suddenly don't care about America's elderly
2: population. Right, right, right. Pro-life! Do-
3: do you remember? No. Do you remember death panels?
2: Oh, yeah. Death the, panels, the rumor yeah. of
3: death panels in 2009.
2: Obamacare was going to lead to death panels.
3: Right. Where the government would set up boards.
2: Decide who was too sick to live.
3: Particularly disabled and seniors. Right. That's whether right. they were worthy of care. Right. And this was the Republican lie. Because at the time, they were using the people who vote for them.
2: Their concern about the elderly.
3: Right. To prop up this lie, and now here we are in 2020 and suddenly we don't care about the vulnerable populations uh, and whether they're going to get sick and They don't give
2: a fuck. At all.
3: You know, who also doesn't give a fuck is people who are talking about this online who are trying to prop up the lie that kids are immune. And Sanjay Gupta actually wrote a column about why he's not sending his kids back to school, and this was just a beautiful sentence and I think illustrates the difference between non-scientific thinking and scientific thinking. So you have just like the general population that is seeing headlines about how kids aren't being infected with the virus as much as adults are being infected by the by the virus. And to a lay person, they process that as kids are immune.
2: Right. That's right. Well, Ainsley Earhart and Donald Trump.
3: Sure. And here's what Dr. Sanjay Gupta said, quote, the low rate of spread among young kids may not have been because they are less likely to transmit the virus, but because they have largely been home over the last few months and oh. have had few contacts as a result. Yeah. So looking at the variable of, well, how much contact have they had out in public? They're not the ones that are running errands. They're not the ones going to the grocery stores.
2: And now that they're interacting with other kids because they're going back to school, all of a sudden, 100,000 kids in two
3: weeks. Correct. God damn. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's why we need people like Sanjay Gupta with a scientific mind to be able to highlight these variables that people may not be thinking of. And it's not a slight to people if if they don't have a scientific mind. It's, yeah, yeah. it's not a slight. I mean, he has extensive training in how to think scientifically and how to consider different variables. It's not a slight against people who don't do that, but the thing is, we should all make that a goal to try to be more scientifically minded, yeah, yeah. to try to think more about those other variables that could be playing a role.
2: And if you can't think that way, rely on those who do. Right.
3: Find people that do have that knowledge and follow them on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs>
2: the, the other thing that I want to say, and then we're going to wrap here, we got several other things that we're just not going to get to. We'll have to pick it up next week. But um is this isn't, th- this I believe is an easy choice. It is an easy choice to ha- not send your kids to school, but it's not an easy choice because there are a lot of variables. You know, people have to work and they don't have childcare and there's all these other mitigating circumstances and, and uh, extraneous situations that are a bummer. It's fucking hard for people. But we're talking about, listen, it's one thing if you have a kid who has trouble reading. Or doesn't quite learn to read at speed because they're delayed getting into school. It's another thing if you have a dead kid. Both kids don't read very well. But one of them's alive. That's what we're talking about.
3: I also want to quickly add that a lot of parents are justifiably frustrated and upset and don't know what to do. You have people who have high SES that are going to be able to take on this situation, not be affected by it. Socioeconomic status. Yeah. People with money are going to be able to hire private tutors, whatever. They'll be able to cover it. But you have working parents, people who live in poverty who are thinking, dear God, what am I supposed to do? I I have to work. I can't be at home with my kid. I
2: can't leave my fucking six-year-old at home all day. Right? They
3: can't teach themselves. These are all legitimate concerns. And- The direction that your anger needs to be pointed is at the government for failing to do what they need to do to take care of the citizens across this country that are getting ready to be evicted en masse and... That are struggling to pay their bills, that lost their unemployment, that have no support in terms of kids going back to school,
2: and it doesn't help when we have fucking ding dongs like Chuck Schumer out there. Well, the kids need to go back to school because the academy. Yeah,
3: fuck you, Chuck Schumer. You know, I fuck off. I cannot wait now that we know who the VP is for a Senate Majority Leader Elizabeth Warren.
2: Well, I, you know, I'm for Treasury Secretary, but. We need to get rid of fucking. We need to get rid of the old guard dinosaur class of the Democratic Party in leadership in the goddamn Congress. It is un. It is untenable going forward that we have these the kids need to go back to school
3: because of the economy. Shut up. Are you ready for it? Yes, one hundred percent.
2: Wow, Kathy, did you hit Kathy? <laughs> hey, 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 Brittany, hang on. Kathy, <laughs> Ka- <laughs> Kathy, did you hear that? Kathy, 100% 100%
3: Jesse D We
2: are leaving you here We love you guys, we appreciate you Thank you for joining us We still, we've pushed two shows in a row now We've pushed Bill Barr sitting down with Mark Levin
4: Oh my god The
2: orchestrator of just how to legally Fucking uh, interfere with And create a totalitarian authoritarian state
3: Marcus's guy Marcus's favorite
2: guy, Bill yeah, Barr. Yeah. He's not so bad.
3: <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna be unhappy. I'm
2: hearing I heard one particular iPhone click off.
3: <laughs> We're getting a call from Marcus's lawyer soon, I think.
2: Oh, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining us as often as you do. Thank you for engaging with the show. We'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at com. Please consider becoming a patron of the show on Patreon. Go to com slash Patreon and join the super cool club. And it is. Soups. Soups cool. Oh my God. All right. We'll see you next time. For Britney Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore. This has been. I Doubt.